Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle program, and I am your host, Chris Angle, along with me is my colleague and co-host, Rick Samuelson. Rick is a venture capitalist on the West Coast and uh, graduated from Yale, and good to see you, Rick. And you. And the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is the is the uh, Defining Ethics, Good and Evil. And these books can be seen at uh, thephilosophicalangle.com. If you'd like to contact us and make comment about the program, give us an email at uh, chrisangle1 at gmail.com. And the purpose of the Philosophical Angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media and secondarily use those definitions to understand the righteousness and ethical superiority of conservative positions. And this week we're going to talk about why liberals call conservatives stupid. Now, I heard this on the Rush Limbaugh show uh, sometime in early June. Uh, he talked about the habits of, uh, the, it being the habit of the, of the liberals, particularly progressive liberals, uh, to call, uh, to use conservative, uh, to call conservatives um, such epithets as uh, stupid, dumb, ignorant, Deplorable. We all know that. That's a famous one. And uh, anyways, and so forth. Uh, you got to ask yourself, why do they do that? Uh, Why do they call us stupid? Why do they really think that we are stupid? Uh, As uh, as Hillary so uh, so eloquently pointed out in uh, in front of the TV one time uh, when she was uh, campaigning for the presidency of the United States. And it's uh, it's kind of peculiar because conservatives do not do that to liberals. They don't use such epithets and 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 and, uh, and uh, pejorative adjectives uh, to. We don't we don't uh, uh, call liberals stupid. We we know they're pretty smart. So uh, why is it why is it that it happens so one-sidedly? Well, in order to explain this phenomenon, uh, we need to realize um, the assumptive difference between the two types of, of, of minds, the liberal mind and the conservative mind. And the liberal has the basic assumption that those who are not liberal-minded and of uh, not of progressive values are inherently bad and their nature is not good. Uh, This can be contrasted with the conservative's view uh, that everybody in society has inherently a good nature. And if you take a step back and and you look at this, you you can see that both are right. some, Some people do have a good nature. There are a lot of people that have a good nature and 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 we know, but we know also that uh, nobody's perfect. That uh, everybody has flaws, and uh, and certainly uh, uh, Christianity points this out in its theology. Uh, all fall short of the glory of God, as it's pointed out in the New Testament. So everybody has sinned. Everybody, no, there's nobody perfect out there. 
but yet we know that people have a good nature about them. But even if the uh, progressive liberal thinks that the conservative nature, his mind is no good, uh, why would they call us stupid? Uh, being bad and sinful or whatever uh, or, uh, really has nothing to do with stupidity. Well, the reason has to do with the left's thinking that because the nature of the mind of the conservative is bad, he has the wrong values. And uh, when, when he's in, in society, when he's dealing with other people, he's not dealing with, his, with the right and correct values. The conservative believes, on the other hand, that the individual in society must be of paramount importance. And uh, and that the individual must have as much as much freedom as possible, and this enables him to produce the the goods and services uh, that he needs to make his life better, and is able to better provide for his family and better be able to uh, uh, to proceed and make his life good for he for himself and for his family. The left, on the other hand believes that the individual as an entity by himself um, is not so much important, but it is that society is paramount in importance. And, uh, and within that importance, the greatest value in society is that all individuals are equally important and that society's values must be evenly distributed to all individuals. So for the uh, lib, I'll call it the uh, pus lib, the progressive utopian societal libs, society is first in importance and as such, societal goodness is first in the liberal priorities. Uh, and, and therefore, in the liberal's mind, all individuals must be equally important in society, which will bring the greatest good to society, which is their objective. And so all individuals should enjoy freedom equally. Everybody in society should have equal opportunity. All individuals are equally important. Uh, uh, thus, when uh, inequalities precipitate in society when 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 societal outcomes differentiate and and somebody becomes unequal it's of great concern to the liberal uh, to the liberal mind but this still does not explain why liberals will call the conservatives stupid well he the conservative is called stupid because he cannot recognize the importance of everybody in society. And the liberal believes that the conservatives believe that the individual only is important. Thus the liberal believes a conservative has no compassion for others. To them, that is uh, to them I mean the progressive utopian societal democrats, it is as if you you, the conservative, 
cannot think of others in society and it is because you are too selfish and rude and unlightened and uh, deplorable um, and thus in inversely correspondingly stupid so it's not perfectly logical but uh, I think that's the nature of the liberal mind when it thinks of values in society the liberal mind is is not logical uh, but predominantly emotional so uh, let's find out what Rick thinks about this subject what do you think Rick I think in a, the potential election of Hillary Clinton and the failure to put her in office was a catastrophic moment for the progressive left for the following reason. They had a glimpse of permanently changing the institutions in this country, Congress, the Supreme Court, uh, on down, such that it would have been almost impossible for conservative principles to have prevailed over any reasonable time frame. And when that failed, um, and this is why you're seeing such a severe reaction, um, the, the failure of the Alinsky-type principles became apparent. So what's the thrust of Saul Alinsky's approach to political change? Um, the ends justify the means, right? Yeah. And insulting your opposition is part and parcel of that. Whether those insults are justified, whether they're accurate or not, the, the, the usefulness of that in terms of um, persuading an uneducated electorate or even an electorate that's apathetic um, is demonstrated, right? So uh, the fact that the progressive left seemed to always be on the attack stems, I would argue, from the long-standing devotion of the progressive movement to those types of principles. And, you know, frankly, uh, Barack Obama and that whole crew were part and parcel that they played a very clever game appealing to uh, the worst no uh, notions about what conservatism means and amplifying those. Um, I think... Uh, the, the next step going forward will be interesting because what the liberals and the progressives never anticipated is that a conservative figure like Trump would arise who breaks all the traditional notions of decorum that conservatives hold so dear. So the left, the progressives, Saul Linsky recognized very, very early on that conservatives are somewhat hidebound by tradition. 
and this notion that a sense of decorum needs to be preserved in all public debate. And it's, it's put them in a position of weakness when it comes to public debate. And now here you have, how do you describe Trump? Is he a conservative figure? No. Is, is he identified with certain conservative principles? Yes. Uh, and you can name those easily. Um, anti-abortion, um, low taxes, uh, growing business, uh, growing the economy. Uh, deregulating all those principles, appointing conservative justices. So he does subscribe to certain principles. What he does not subscribe to are traditional notions of decorum. And so in a sense, uh, Trump, and you, you could call him clever, you could call him, uh, you know, a kind of progressive mind himself with all that implies, but he has found a way to turn these same techniques against the progressive. And this is why they're reacting so severely. The other thing that um, these insults do is it, they draw attention away from the fact that a huge portion of the progressive base and the, most, the fastest growing portion are un uneducated people. Okay, so if you look at Cal California's Exhibit A. California has one of the worst educational systems in the country. Uh, 47th, I think, ranked 47th. Um, it's because of uh, unskilled immigration, right? And this has happened. Its educational standards have fallen over the years as a consequence of mass unskilled immigration. Um, arguably, it is the most progressive state in the country. So here you have the irony of uh, the most progressive state in the country pretending to be educated and yet having one of the poorest educational records, right, uh, on a par with much poorer states per capita. The other, the, the final, the final thing I would offer is the heart and soul of the progressive movement lies with this unholy alliance between government and academia. And the notion of progressives, one of the most central notions of progressivism is centralized control. It's taught in the universities, it's embraced by government employees, it's, it's almost, uh, you know, the first commandment to them. And it's uh, adhered to with a kind of religious ferocity. And so the acad academic wing of that uh, controlling element of the progressive movement can't withstand the notion that they aren't more educated than the rest of us. Right? After all, they inhabit the universities. They must be the more, more educated of the American citizenry. Right. Uh, so there is this conceit at particularly the academic level, but also within government, that they uh, are, you know, deserve to rule. They are the elites. And I'm not the first to point this out. Many, there have been many articles recently pointing 
out the, the failure of the elites to satisfy the needs of the average person across Europe, the United States, and elsewhere. Brazil, right? And the, the reaction that's followed uh, has been severe, and I think, frankly, it's just beginning. Yeah, uh, totally agree, and uh, thank you for that insight. And uh, we'll see everybody else on the uh, Philosophical Angle program next week. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.